So here, would you? Yeah, and y'all keep, now do you have a prayer partner? I know you don't. Yeah, that's right. God gave you a prayer partner. Okay, y'all get that list cleaned up. Clean that list up. All right? Get them healed in Jesus' name. Amen. But don't let me forget about Demetrius. Is that Demetrius? Yeah, okay, cool. All right, because I know he, you're welcome. Yeah, that's what we do. Amen. That's what we do. Hallelujah. All right. So for his glory, everything God does is for his glory. Amen. But God is looking for obedience. Amen. He is looking for obedience. Praise God from all of his children. So whatever he says, do like Jesus's mother told the people, whatever he tell you to do, do it. Amen. Well, why does people have to be reminded? Because what comes into our mind when we get a direct order and it may not sound like what we think we ought to do? We question it. Amen. We don't want to do it that way. We got our own way. But listen, Jesus's way is the right way, no matter how silly it sounds. Amen. His ways are not like ours. His ways are higher. So whatever he says, do to do it. So part of receiving from God is uh, following the obedience factor. Whatever you're told to do, you must do it. Amen. So and then the, the second thing, this is what I think God told me to preach today about. Uh, what does it take to uh, get him to show you his glory? Obedience is the first thing and a desire, a strong desire for that thing. It's like this. How bad do you want a healing? How bad do you want it? How bad do you want your marriage healed? How bad do you want your children saved, set free? How bad do you want your grandchildren to serve God? How bad do you want it? And see, that's, you know how it is, and I'm just going to be honest with you. It's like people are praying. You know how you're standing. I've been standing for X amount of years. But if you be truthful, how many of those years that you've been standing, did you really want that thing? Hello, buddy. How how many years uh, have, have you been standing that you really, that desire was so strong, you really wanted that thing? So you can start doing some subtracting. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know half of my time that I was standing, I want to murder, kill, you know, shoot. Had a lot of plans, you know, all of this stuff. Anger. So, you know, you got to get past that. And when you get past that, what's left, what, do you, what you're left with is probably how long you've really been standing asking God for that thing. Hallelujah. But the devil likes to say, see how long you've been praying, see how long you've been standing. And you weren't even thinking about that situation most of that time. Amen. So God wants you to have a strong desire for what you are praying for. And he wants obedience. Whatever he tells you to do, if he tells you to go take somebody some flowers and you don't want to because they hurt your feelings or whatever, y'all know, you know. And see, you got to get over that. You just have to be obedient to God. It doesn't matter what they think you're doing. It doesn't matter if they think you're stupid or they're using you. You know how we think, you know. 
And it doesn't matter how you look to other people. It's are you willing to obey God to the to the final dot and final T that's crossed? Or how bad do you want it? How see when you really want something, you run after it. <laughs> when you say I'm good, you don't really desire it in your heart because we all good. But how much do you de- really desire this thing? Amen. Do you want a small blessing or do you want everything that God has for you? Amen. God wants to do something in our lives that where it's going to challenge him and challenge us to believe. He wanted to. This is what he told me one time through a prophet at not this conference, but a conference a year ago. He said, ask me for something hard. Ask me for something big. And then give me something to work with. But ask me something big. In other words, where we should be at this point in time is we ought to be looking for something from God that man can't do. Only God can do. And when you're there, when you can say that what you are expecting from God, only he can give you, then you're in a good place. Amen. Well, I didn't get a lot of amens and hallelujahs, but it's still the truth. Why? Because he wants to show himself strong in our behalf. Look, God wants us to see that he can do things that no other can do because there is none like him. Amen. And so this is why he does things for his glory, because he wants to show the world that he is God and he is doing exceedingly and abundantly. He's doing things that no other God can do. And this is why we need him. What I need from him, man can't give me. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So when you get there, that's a good place to be in. Amen. In other words, he wants to do the impossible in our lives. All we have to do is let him. Amen. He wants us to ask him to do something that's so difficult that we know only he can do for us. And why is that? Because he would, he'll be doing it for his glory because everybody around you will see and know and understand only God could have done that for her. Only God. And that's where he wants, that's a good place to be. Amen. That is a good place to be. Hey, it don't feel good. Feel hard. It don't feel good, but that's a good place to be. Amen. Oh man. Amen. But it's how bad do you want it? Why Why that question? Because when you want it bad enough, you'll fight for it. Yeah. You have to fight for what you want from God. And when I say fight, it's merely just fight the good fight of faith. That's all we need is the fight of faith. And that's all. I'm going to read a little bit from my notes. Hallelujah. So you you must hunger and thirst after it until you receive it god is saying he wants it to be a personal desire amen hallelujah david said my soul pants after you oh god like a deer pant for water amen it's like you have this thirst that only god can quench amen it's just like when an alcoholic wants more liquor he he ain't gonna stop until he get it 
we need to be that way about God. You're not going to stop until you get what he has for you. And you're not going to stop until you get to a place where you have intimacy with him. Amen. And that's where we are today in this new era. I'm going to say era. Amen. It's for his glory. See, no more are we going to uh, want credit for anything that God is doing, nor, you know how some people say, my faith pulled this in. We ain't going to be able to say that in this hour. You can forget about that because it ain't going to happen like that anymore. But I do believe it's going to come in easier. God does more, we do less. That's a fact. But but you know what? It's only going to take us looking to him more, taking people out the out the equation or what you can do or how you can fix it. Or but I said this to them the last time, but I did that. God don't care. As long as your faith is you trust in him, you repent. He'll fix that. He fixes anything that you go to him with and you say, God, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. He fixes that. He fix, and I mean, he fixes it right away. Amen. Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be put back together again? Only God can do that. If you looking at it like only God can do this, you in a good place and he will do it and he'll do it for his glory that he's doing it because of himself, because he wants to be strong. He wants people to look at your life and say, I want what she has. And she's, you know, gung-ho for God. I want to be like that. Amen. I remember this one. I won't mention any names, but somebody that's in the ministry still today. And uh, somebody that they knew, it was a guy. He was talking to me one time. He was in town. And he said to me, he says, I looked at her life for many years. And he said how she's been living and how she is for real and how she really loves the Lord and is serving him. He said, I want what she got. She said, he said, because I've been looking for years. You see how people look and see, I was, I was, I was first trying to figure out where's this conversation coming from. You know how our carnal mind is, but God was telling me that's for you. (laughs) He ministering to you. He's ministering to you right now. And he said, um, but I've been watching for years, he said, and she has never gone backwards. She's kept it going. And he said, it's real. He said, that's what I want. He said, I want that real thing that she has. I want that relationship with God that she has. He, he says that she's happy all the time and it's not a problem for her. It's just like part of her life. He said, I want that. Of course, he didn't hang around too long to get it. But, you know, he's in and out. He, he always comes when you least expect it. You know, he, you know. But he got a lot of religion mixed up in there. But he 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 thinks that he's part of it. And I think if you think you're part of this move of God, then you are. I think that. But uh, but he see this. My point was God was showing me how people watch, and God does that. He he works in a person's life for His glory because He's really trying to catch a different fish. He's trying to catch. He's after that guy <laughs> through this person. And don't think they don't, honey. These people watch. And I said, oh, okay. Took me a while to get it. Because I'm like, what are you telling me that for? You know, know how we get. 
but it's it's God wants to do miraculous things in your life, not just for you. He loves you and he chose you to work with, but he's he's showing other people that he's real in your life. And this is the thing, especially about family people. They don't they don't budge until they see what you're going to do. You backslide, then they have an excuse. See, I knew it wasn't real. That's that's how the devil used people. But I'm telling you, you hang in there and you stick in there and you will pull many into the kingdom of God because they're just watching your life. I was telling my husband the other day, I said, well, you know, I'm I'm being healed day by day. I'm stronger and stronger every day. No, I say more and more every day I'm healed. And he said, I know that. He said, because you, you got me healed. And I want to say. <laughs> but I said, okay. And and, and it's the, the topper. I'm praying for you. I said, thank you. I said, thank you. I told Pastor Barb, she was laughing. She said, God will answer his prayer for a wife. I said, I know that's right. But he told me, he said, I have no doubt in my mind that you will get your healing. Because I told him, I said, I didn't want him to think, you know, that I'm not, you know, that I'm not healed. And he said, oh, I have no doubt in my mind. Because I know you got me healed. He was so sick. And Avis was there. And she prayed in tongues. And we laid hands on him. And she didn't have, you didn't recognize him good, did you? And God has done a lot. And then I'm, and don't think I didn't tell God. I said, hey, God, what about him? <laughs> I said, he said that I ought to be healed because I laid him. He said, you know. And so that's when God told me, you are amending day by day. I wanted to come like. But he says, you are amending. So that's what I stand on. Amen. But I'm telling you, God be working on these family members through you. Don't ever think they're not watching. And that's one reason I'm telling I shouldn't maybe say it, but that's one reason why I didn't go backwards. A lot of times I thought about that. I said, I ain't got nowhere to go. Because if I go backwards, then they're going to tell on me. They're going to see me. Not that I had anywhere I wanted to go, but you know how you live that uprightness. And I didn't want to lose that, but sometimes you just get tired. And I said, "Mm mm." I, I said it would just be my luck to run into somebody I ministered to. So you know, but God will use all kind of things to keep you going because He know we run out of steam sometimes. We get tired. We get uh, the devil works on us just like He works on everybody. And it's nothing out there I want. Trust me. But he he tells me, you know, well, see, you do too much and you this. You. God is in control of what I do. Amen. He know he he knows when you need rest and he puts you in a rest. Amen. So, you know, you just have to stay on your toes. Amen. Stay on your toes. Amen. So follow that hunger when you and follow obedience. But we can. We can be stubborn. Amen. Let's go to Isaiah 48. There's something in there that the Lord showed me. Isaiah 48. Hallelujah. Verse 3. 
Did I say that? Yeah, Isaiah 48. And it says, I have declared the former things from the beginning. They went forth from my mouth and I caused them to hear it. And suddenly, and I want you to underline that. I have two Bibles. It's underlined in my other one, but I'm underlining it in this new one. He says, and suddenly I did them and they came to pass. I'm going to have to sit down here. And suddenly I did them. Hallelujah. There's something in here the Lord showed me. I really don't like sitting because it never works for me. I have declared, I'm reading it again, the former things from the beginning. That's why you should never worry about if God's going to do something. (laughs) He's already declared it. It's already decreed. It's already planned. Well, why don't I have it? Because he's waiting on you to believe it. Tell, Tell you like he told me. Amen. He's, de- he's declared the former things from the beginning and they went forth from my mouth because when he declared it and decreed it, when it went out of his mouth, it was created. Whatever that thing is, I tell you what it is. It's that one thing that you don't have that you think you can't get that you really want that your desires are attached to. That's what he's talking about. <laughs> he's talking about that. It went forth from my mouth, and I caused them to hear it. Now, see, there's a season. This is what the Lord was showing me. There's a season in your life where you won't even hear that. You won't hear it. In other words, you won't you won't uh, concentrate on it's already yours. You don't have to worry. You're going to worry. You're going to be upset. You're going to cry out. You're going to do all that stuff. But then when God get tired of you, he will, <laughs> he'll cause you to see it. Yeah. See, we can't see anything without him. Yeah. See, he, this is, this go, well, why does he do that? He works personally with us. Yeah. That's why he works personally with you and me. It's like, he's my personal friend and my father. I don't be talking about Abba and Daddy. I don't get I don't get familiar with God like that. Mm-mm. No, because you know your own natural father. You don't. You don't. He don't want you coming in there one day calling him James or John. He wants you to say Dad. I don't care how old you are. I call my father Daddy to the day he died. He was 92, and we don't know how old he was. He lied about his age. We don't, we still, the jury is out on that. He's anywhere, he was anywhere from 91 to 94. I don't know. <laughs> Cause he told, it depends on what girl he was looking at. You know, he'd say anything. But, you know, he didn't, I, I called him daddy because that's what I called him from birth all my life. And so, when I got born again, I knew God is Father, and that's who He is. Amen. Jesus is my healer and my friend. He's my homie and my best friend. Okay, He's my friend. And so that's who I. That's you know. And the Holy Spirit is within me, and He works with me every day. He's my comforter, my defender. He's my. Uh, what is what else? You know all that stuff. 
He's my all in all. When I need him, he, he gives me revelation. He reminds me of who I am. He works through me. Amen. And so they have different functions, but the same one person. And Jesus is not on that cross. So take him out from up there. That's for all my Catholic friends. Because when, <laughs> because when, when I was, you know, in Catholic all for many years and I look up at the cross and I identify with him on the cross, it wasn't until I became full gospel, even in the Baptist church, I still thought he was up on that cross because it was Jesus keep me near the cross. And all those songs that kept you near, that kept you at the cross. It didn't keep you in breakthrough. Okay. But I didn't know. I didn't know. But hey, it was better than where a lot of people were. Because I was, I was progressing. You know, I wasn't a, a, a Catholic anymore. I was now a Baptist. And then from that, I went full gospel. So God was working in my life because I always cried out for more. And that's what he gave me. But one step at a time. But suddenly, he says, I did them. And they came to pass. I just love that scripture. It's not a, a big scripture. But I'm telling you, it's got a lot of power. Let's go to verse 4. It says, because I knew. Now, this is this is going to get some of y'all. Because I knew you were obstinate. <laughs> That's what we are. Amen. In other words, we know it all. We're stiff-necked. Don't believe nothing. And this is where I'm telling you, this is what I believe caused me to preach this today. This scripture right there in that fourth verse. God wants, now he was talking to Israel, but it's for all people who are, are rebellious. And that's us too. And it says he, he was angry at Israel because of their idolatry, their hypocrisy. And their stubbornness. And that's what uh, obstinance means. It says, and he wanted them to trust him to perform on what was already spoken. And they had seen many miracles that he did for them. But they were still stiff-necked, arrogant. Once he blessed them, they partied and then still wanted the devil too. You know, he they knew of his power, but they still wanted an image, a golden image to worship. They were just some, they were something else. Amen. But God still loved them. He stayed mad at them for a while, but then at some point he, he pulled back his anger from them. And he just wanted to bless them. So sometimes when we don't believe God and when we're hard for God to convince is there comes a time and season you may be 87 i don't know but at some time in your life he'll do it for his glory he'll do it because i'm that was just a joke not everybody's confused like 87 <laughs> but you know what i'm saying if you don't get it on your own faith he'll he'll just reach down and say you know that what i'm gonna do this and he'll do it and now if you get this frame of mind it's yours and I know everybody here is there, is if you have done all you knew to do and you still didn't receive and you made up in your mind that you're going to obey him from this point forward, whenever you come to that conclusion, 
obey him and start to desire it again in your heart. Take it off the shelf and blow it off. That old promise that you thought you'd never get, take it off the shelf. If you would do that and start to desire that thing again, I'm telling you, it's right around the corner. Now, I don't know what corner, but it's it's right around the corner. I'm serious. It could come. It's like this. This is what I should say. It could come any time because the pr- the prize, I was going to say the promise, but I keep saying prize. So that's what I'm going to say. The prize can come at any time, any day. Any day that you get up could be the day. So don't miss out on a day. You understand what I'm saying? And and expect it. Expect it today. And if it don't tonight at midnight when you get ready to go to bed or whatever time you go to bed, if you if it don't come, you get up tomorrow saying, well, it'll come tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And see, you got to stay in that mind frame and then start to do things, you know, sowing seed toward. And I know a lot of you do that. And I did that for so many years and still do. Sowing seed toward what you want. Yeah. Just so any kind, you know, you can't get a harvest without seed. Amen. You have to sow something. So in other words, you, you do something for somebody. God don't care what you do. Amen. Sow some seed and, and you will receive, you receive whatever it is you need. Hallelujah. Let me keep going here because I got a few more. Verse five. Oh, wait a minute. You were stiff necked. Um, Okay, you were obstinate, it says, and you were, you were, wait a minute, and your neck was an iron sinew, and your brow bronze, cold as ice, amen, hard as nails, I ain't gonna be, I ain't gonna do that, you know, see, God takes that personally like you doing that to him, amen. Verse 5, even from the beginning, I have declared it to you. In other words, God is saying, I've been telling you this all these years. Even though you didn't get get the the, the prize. I keep trying to say, I want to say the promise, but prize keeps coming out of my mouth. But even though you didn't get the promise yet, I'm still saying it. So now this is what the devil does, try to make you feel like, well, I missed it. Well, you did. But he tries to make you feel like the worst creature in the world. You know, that's that's just a lie. Just another lie. God knew. Listen, this is what I found out. God knew you were going to miss it. Okay. How about that? And he already has a system built up for you to get that thing. Amen. He's still going to do it. He's going to do it. Praise God. If you could just wrap your head, it was so hard for me to just, cause I told the Lord one time, what, why am I so, what's wrong with me? Cause this is so easy. And then I remembered that thing that, who said that so easy? It, it's so simple, it don't make sense. Kelly Cruz. And, uh, uh, what's her name? April always remind me. So simple, it don't make sense. And I said, well, what have I have, what have I been doing all these years? And God said, you were in faith, but it wasn't strong enough. Wow. You, you've been working on your faith. Wow. He says, but I, I've been, I said, well, why didn't you tell me? He said, if I thought it was such a, I, if I thought it was so detrimental, wow. I would have told you. Wow. 
See, the devil do a work on our minds. And then this is what we say, I don't want it. Because you feel helpless. Like, well, I done missed it, so what's the deal? Amen. But this is the thing that God showed me. But when he does bring it to you, even in your latter years, it's the better time. <laughs> I almost fell off this. <laughs> he said, you got it. You, you coming into your, your blessing at the best time. So in other words, I didn't mess nothing up. Amen. And you didn't either. Well, I wanted it when I was young. You young, you know, that's why that scripture is in Psalms where it said he renews your strength like the eagle. And he renews your body. He renews. It's just like, uh, well, I shouldn't say that. But anyway, you know, he renews your youth. He just does. And he'll renew everything about you where you can enjoy. Listen, when God does it, it's the right time. You are coming into the right season. It's not coming into, I take that back. You're in the right season. And see, you newcomers, y'all sitting back there smiling because we did all the work. Y'all can enjoy. <laughs> we plowed. But enjoy. That's the way it's supposed to be. Amen. You all enjoy it because we plowed through. Amen. But God gives the increase. You water it. We, what is that, Apollo? What? God gives increase, but we sold, you water it now. We don't hand, we handed it to you. You water and God gives the increase. Amen. Hallelujah. Never too late. Amen. And from where I'm sitting, it's a, it's a, a far range. I can see clearly though. And not, nothing has been lost. Amen. Nothing has been lost. Amen. So he says, God says, before I, before it came to pass, I proclaimed it to you. In the beginning, I've declared it to you. Least you should say, my idol has done it. You know, Buddha, I be, I was rubbing that Buddha, his stomach every morning for the past 10 years. <laughs> That's why it came to pass. I don't know what people do, but whatever they do, God wants them to know little Buddha didn't do this. Amen. But I take this to mean this more than Buddha or whoever. You didn't do it. I didn't do it. (laughs) Amen. God wants you to know you didn't do this. So it makes you wonder, did he expect you to do it all along? No, he didn't. You know, so when the devil starts hounding you, you didn't do this and you look how old you are. You don't have God never expects you to do it. He never did. Amen. This is a team effort. Amen. Hallelujah. And let's see. Let's finish. It says, least you should say your idol did them. And my carved image and my molded image have commanded them. And you have heard, see all this, and you and will you not declare it? And, and so that's right there. That's your answer. And will you not declare it? Have you been declaring it all these years? No. See, this is, see, when you use your mouth, it has a creative force. Whatever you say, it's created in the natural. So if you have been, and it's good to have faith. Because I told the Lord, I know I have faith. What's going on? 
I know I've been using my, but have you been decreeing it? And I shut my mouth. No, I've been decreeing everything else except what God has told me. Cause see, yo, you're what you don't know. And I, I didn't know, I knew you were supposed to decree stuff, but I didn't know not every single day. So it's like you talk about what you expect. So I do that now. Hallelujah. But you know what God would have told me? I said, why didn't you tell me? I'm telling you now. So now is my time. See, you, it's still, it's like a vicious circle. You try to chase that devil down and try to make that stuff he told you make sense. It never makes sense. Amen. Because God won't let it. So it says, and will you not declare it? I have made you hear new things this time. God made us hear something new this time. Because think about it. Don't you understand better now than you did? Don't you look forward more now and understand more now than you did? That's because he makes you hear something new. And he said this time. Why is he saying this time? Because he didn't make you hear it before. Because he's going to have to fight through all your flesh. Amen. And in your reasonings. Amen. But he says, I have made you hear new things from this time. Even hidden things. See, a lot of things God hides from us. Because it's not time yet. He knows when you're ready. And you did not know them. And they are created now and not from the beginning. So some things he's just doing. Some things he, he, but he still decreed it from the beginning of time. Amen. And so it's, it's like this. You just have to work with God. There's no way to get your, the, the desires of your heart and work around him. You got to work with him. Amen. Hallelujah. I think I better move on. Mm-mm. That's my ring on here. Sorry about that. Whew. Okay. Uh-oh. All right, Isaiah 46. Let's flip over there right quick. Verse 10. It says, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, um, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Amen. So, God, there's a specific time for God to do all things. So all we have to do is stand. Amen. My, in other words, he's saying, look, my will shall be done on earth. Amen. My will shall be done and I will do all that pleasures me. So in other words, you're not missing anything. God is on time. He's going to do it for you. To show the world who he is. Well, who is he? He's the great I am. Amen. And there's none like him. And that's all this is. See, God is using us. But when we want something, it's like, well, God, you said, and it's for me, and I want it now. But what about what God wants? He wants to use you for his glory. Amen. Let's go to John 2. Hallelujah. John 
Hallelujah. And we're going to talk a little bit about the internal workings of a miracle. And that's what we have been talking about, what it takes to get a miracle. You know you have to have a deep desire in your heart and you have to obey God. Amen. So uh, some people call it the anatomy of a miracle. And that word anatomy means the study of a miracle. Um, you know, it's kind of like God is pouring out so much revelation now. And then I'm thinking, I think to myself, you know how we're carnal sometimes, not good. And I said, well, where was this revelation 20 years ago? It wasn't time. So God is going to keep telling us that all the time. It wasn't time. The time is now. Amen. So this is the wedding feast. And I know we use this one all the time, but I think the reason a lot of people use it is because it was Jesus's first miracle. You know, um, I, I didn't like it. You, well, you know, I'm a mother and I don't like them smart kids. When they get smart with me, I just want to slap them even, even um, now. And I better be careful because some people get offended over that word slap. But let me tell you, the Bible says when you, when you slap, when the righteous slap you, it's a kindness. They slap you back into your senses before you step off of a cliff. Amen. But see, some people are not, don't have enough wisdom to understand that. But you know how it is when your kids get bigger than you and you just want to boom, you know, knock them. But I'm going to read you the scripture that made me remember that. Let's see, five, verse five, his mother. Let's read. It says, and his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to do, do it. Okay. Well, let's, let's, let's go back because that's not the one that got me because she was his friend at that time. I'll start in one. It says, on the third day, there was a wedding in Canaan of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Now, both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no more wine. And his response is what I was thinking about. If Tony had said that to me, I'd have popped him. He says, woman, what does your your concern have to do with me? My hour have not come yet, you know. But then he's Jesus and he had a reason. This is what the Lord showed me about that when I was saying, hmm, that didn't sound real nice. But this is what the Lord showed me. He said it wasn't quite time for his ministry. He had never done ministry before. She was kind of like pushing him. Gone, gone, baby boy. Gone, baby boy. Gone. Do your thing because you anointed. And and he was saying, no, I ain't ready yet. You know, you know how when we get called and we start out, we got to be pushed. So that's what she was doing. She was giving him a little shove, like, do your thing, because we ran out of wine, you know. <laughs> and so that's why he answered her like that. And he didn't answer her as her son. He answered her as her redeemer. Amen. But but see, she was still mama, and he was like, hey, you know. He was operating in his ministry then and didn't know it. He really didn't. He he didn't realize he was talking to her as redeemer, you know, and she was bossing him around gone. And that would have been me. Don't say nothing back to me. What you mean, mother? I mean, a woman. I'm your mother. And he, and she was like, go on and do your miracles because I know who you are. You know? 
So in verse five, his mother said to the servants, whatever he says to do, do it. Why did she say that? Because she knew in the spirit, by the spirit, who he was. Amen. But that has bugged me for a long time. And I finally confronted God about it. And he said, yeah, he said he wasn't, he was, had not been in ministry yet. And she knew what his capabilities were. And so she was like, go on and do, do that thing. You know, you can do it. Amen. He wasn't reluctant, but you know, as, cause see, don't forget he walked as man on the earth. And when we first start out in ministry, unless you're not called, you're real eager if you ain't called. <laughs> and so he, he was kind of like, okay, let me get this together. You know, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Amen. Verse five, his mother, oh, says, whatever he says to do, do it. That's prophetic because whatever God asks you to do, you have to do it. Verse six, now there were set and six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. And Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. You see how he just stepped right on in and started fulfilling his call. Mama had to push him out there a little bit and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it out. See, they're obeying his command like the mother told them. And when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who drew the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom. And he said to the bridegroom, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, in other words, when they get drunk, uh, then the inferior, they bring out the cheap stuff, do the switch on them. (laughs) He says, but you have kept the good wine until now. And this beginning of this beginning of signs Jesus did in Canaan of Galilee and manifested his glory. See? And his disciples believed in him. Now, of course, I got curious and I was asking the Lord, you know, not just now, but before when I, you know, used to wonder about things. But I was talking, thinking about that because I knew that was some kind of prophetic thing about what this man said to the bridegroom about you bringing out the best wine for last when people usually bring it out first and then put the, the, the what is that stuff? What do you call it? I don't know, straight alcohol or the vinegar. <laughs> they, they set the vinegar out when you get drunk. And then, you know, I was questioning the Lord and he was telling me, he said, because in another translation it said new wine. So that was the new wine. New wine of the Holy Spirit. Okay. And it says at the end, in in other words, the days that we're living in right now, he's going to bring out the new wine. Amen. And and it's going to, you know, he's going to, um, what's that scripture that say? Uh, he's going to Habakkuk over all flesh. He's going to spring, you know, pour out his, that's, that's what it's really talking about going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh that's the new wine amen and then i was still a, a little curious and the lord says well people are going to stop desiring a little a trickle 
and they're going to desire a full, um, you know, like avalanche, like the war, Amos 9, 13, that picture, water, you know, that Paris did where the water's coming off. They're going to want a full flow. And in the last days, when it says your sons and daughters will prophesy, old men will dream dreams, young men will have visions of whatever, however it goes. This is what they are talking about right here with the new wine. Amen. See, if you ask God to tell you, and they are talking about the end days when, because that, if you look at that and you read that, that was a strange thing for him to say. But in the natural, when we were back boozing it, that's what we used to do. Like, let me, you know, put my uh, Miller light up and let's give them this old three-two Budweiser, whatever. However, you, you know what I'm saying. Three-two beer, you remember that. So anyway, you know, and, but you can take it like that in the natural. But in the supernatural, he was saying the best is for last. The, the new wine, it was new wine, because when I looked it up in that translation, it said new wine. I said, okay, well, new wine, we're talking about something different now. But the new wine, so this is another thing that the Lord was showing me when he was talking about how people settle for a trickle, and they're going to get a full-blown um, avalanche of, of blessing of the Holy Spirit, really, is what they're talking about. It says, and people's tongues, they're going to stop going, you know, that's the baby tongues and the tongues we've been using for so, for 20 years. He says, that's not going to be what we want anymore. And people are going, when the new, when he uh, pours his spirit upon all flesh, everybody, you might as well take Spanish or something because you're going to need it or Chinese or something. Because not only those those tongues that's going to pour out of us are going to be so fluid and so um, accurate to other nations that we're going to speak in their language. And it's going to be accurate and it's going to be uh, worship to the Lord. And in other words, God, when he pour out his spirit, he's going to give us different languages. I mean, we already do it to a sense, but he's going to do it more for us, more and more and more. Anyway, that's what that conversation was about. Amen. But, you know, it's it's you just have to look at it in a different way. Hallelujah. So was that to John? Yeah. Let's see if I covered everything I wanted to cover. God is looking for a personal desire and obedience. We, we covered that. I think I need to go to verse five. I did. And I went to 11. Okay. Let's go to John four. Flip over to four. Verse 46. Amen. And this is another story about Jesus and his ministry and how he does things for his glory. Him and the Father work together. Amen. He likes to manifest his glory. And why? So that people can believe. This is how he got the disciples to believe. Let's see. 446. Okay. So this is the second miracle that Jesus did after the wine. Amen. He was, he had a, uh, what can I say? You know how you say he, he's, 
rolling in it now or something. I mean, he got his feet wet and now he's, he's liking what, what I'm not going to say he didn't like it, but you know, he's moving in, in, in his ministry and seeing his glory. Hallelujah. And helping people because he went around doing good and that's what he, that's what he did. That was Jesus' whole life. He went around doing good and healing all that was sick and those that needed a touch. He did that. So this was the noble, this next story is the nobleman's son. And uh, he had gone back to Caperna, so I'm going to read that. It says, so Jesus came to Canaan of Galilee where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. Amen. Um, and I found out that was a day's journey. I don't know how many. I think it was a day's journey. But anyway, it says, and when he heard that Jesus had come out to Judea into Galilee, he went to him and ignored him, implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at that point of death. Now, a couple things that cue me to this man's faith. He implored Jesus. Jesus didn't go looking for him. He came looking for him. How do they know to look for Jesus? Because of what they heard. Faith comes by hearing. They heard about the marvelous works. Do you see why God does stuff for his glory? Because he's fishing for people all the time. Amen. So word got around. That was the word on the street. Was that Jesus is doing healings and great marvelous works. Amen. And so this is how the word got around. And they say, well, I have a situation where I need him. And so they seek him. And that's that deep desire within a person's heart. I really need you, Lord. Hallelujah. So verse 48, it says, then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. And that was a rebuke. But it was a good rebuke because it's true. So why did he do it if if that's how they are? Because he wanted to show them who he was. And because he really, his his desire is to, to heal people. And so this is probably how this nobleman found out about him. Somebody else witnessed what he did and they went around talking about it. And he says, well, that's who I need. Amen. 49, the nobleman said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. And Jesus said to him, go your way. Your son lives. Why did he say that? Because he heard that that faith. When when that man was looking for Jesus and called out to him and saying, my son is dying. Can you help me? Will you come? That's faith. And so God, that's why Jesus didn't have to go. That would have been a wasted trip because he did it. And he knew that his faith would, you know, was enough for his kid to be healed. So the man believed. You need to underline that. The word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. He went on. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, your son lives. This was his encouragement. Because see, on the way from uh where was the wine done Canaan to Galilee the devil's got time to mess with your head so Jesus is so smart because you know the devil don't surprise him so he sent people that worked for this man 
that had been at his house and said, your son lives. And that was an encouragement for him to get back home in faith. 52 says, then he inquired of them as to the hour when he got better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left. And he knew that's when Jesus had spoke to him and said, your son lives. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed the whole household. He believed and his whole house. See, household salvation came out of that. See, God is always looking to save humanity no matter what. Amen. Hallelujah. And this man expected his son to be healed. He expected it. So he just said, go home. Hallelujah. He came looking for Jesus. Jesus didn't have to say something like he said to the leper, I mean, to the cripple, pick up your bed. He didn't have to give him an instruction. Well, he did give him an instruction, go home, your your son is healed. But, you know, he didn't have to talk faith to him or encourage him in his faith. This man was already full of faith. Amen. So, you know, even though his son was at the point of death, he was in faith. He knew Jesus was the answer. And that's what we were talking about when we first started today. Do you have something that you know nobody can help you but God? He knew nobody could help him but Jesus. That's a good place to be. That is a good place to be. That's your faith. That's your faith work and saying, God, <laughs> I know you need to do this. And you see what happened to him. All God, Jesus had to do was speak to him and say, go your way. Your son lives. Because he knew the faith was intact. Everything was intact. His faith, um, faith speaks. His faith spoke. It was full of action because he came all that way to get him. I mean, this was just, he was ready for this miracle. Amen. Hallelujah. A good report. The next one we'll look at in Mark 10, 46, when Jesus healed blind Bartimaeus. You can write it down or turn to it. I'm going to sit again. Hallelujah. Mark 10, 46. And I'm just going to go by my memory and my notes. He was sitting by the side of the road. Everybody knows this story. Begging. And heard of Jesus. See, this is how these people get in faith. They heard of Jesus. They heard about the great miracles that he's done. That's why when you go to healing school, I like um, the Copeland's healing school because they show videos. And Pastor Barb has that video of who Jesus is. Those things are great tools to get you in faith before uh, you hear the word so that you can step right into your faith and receive what God has for you. They get let people give uh, testimonies that they've taped. And it's just so wonderful. And so uh, blind Bartimaeus, of course, he was the son of Timaeus, sitting by the side of the road, begging, heard of Jesus. So faith comes by hearing and began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And they said, shut up. And that was your first <laughs> that was your first clue that he was on the right track. See, that's the religious shut up. And there was those dignitaries in the church. Shut up. That was everybody that you know that don't believe how you believe. They're going to tell you shut up or show you that it's, it's this just so unnecessary. Amen. You just shouldn't do that. 
son of David, have mercy on me. But when they said that he cried all the louder, I like that. I like his attitude. He said, uh-uh, I'm not shutting up. I'm going to cry out. That was his faith talking. And this is the thing that I love. Oh, I'm going to have to read this. Because it says his faith stood still. I got to read that. Just one second. Let me go there. What's that? Mark 10. They don't know. Thank you, Nola. (laughs) Avis, don't, don't even tell me. Let leave me out there to dry. Okay, let's see. Mark ten forty six, I think. Okay, that just got me when it says he Jesus stood still. And you know what? Why? Because that showed me how this thing is real. Our faith really. It's just like he just like. It's just like when that lady with the issue of blood touched him, touched his his coat, and he said, "Who touched me?" And so that, that, that probably, what's that with, when, uh, in church, when you get over what Tony does, uh, equipment, that gave, that give Jesus equipment, I would imagine, you know? And so when it said he stood still, I'm telling you, that thing ran, it just hit me. It says, now they came to Jericho in 46, and as he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and had a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth, um, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And so Jesus stood still. Underline that. That is so, I'm telling you, that is prophetic. Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. In other words, he said, hey, who is, go get him. Go get him. The one that's crying out like that, making all that noise. Go get him. They thought he was going to throw the bum out. But what he did is when it, he, it, he stood still because that thing he like had a quickening. It went through him because it touched the anointing that's in him. Amen. And he got his attention. He stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man saying to him, be of good cheer, rise. He's calling you. Well, they was telling him to shut up before. Shut up, you bum. Get out of here and take your tin can with you. Amen. That's what they said. Amen. But now when Jesus acknowledged him and told him, oh, yeah, yeah, rise on up, buddy. He wants you. And so Jesus answered and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? I'm in 51. And the blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. And then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. He said, "Uh uh-uh, you ain't getting rid of me. I'm one of you. See, but see, Jesus, see, faith speaks. That's what when you hear people say faith speaks, that's what they're saying, because your your faith makes a difference that it's just like hitting the Lord upside the head with a love muffin. You know, he says, "Ooh, you know, quickman. Amen. He stood still. It stopped him cold in his tracks. 
That's what it did. I mean, this is some good stuff. And see, and this, another thing, we're learning what, how to get a healing. We're learning. We're, and, and it's always, we're gonna, look, we're gonna be learning until we hit the grave. 120 years. Okay. Amen. Forget the 70, 120 years. Did you know that that's been researched? It's right in the Bible. You don't really have to research it. And God meant, see, when they read the three score and seven, or is it four score? They took that three, they took that to mean 70 years, but that's not, I, I can't remember, but it's in Genesis. Do you know where that, anything about that, Shannon? Offhand. Is the three score seven? Is that what it says? Yeah, it's 120. It's in there. I'm going to find it the next time I come to church. But that wasn't to, to, this is what I'm saying. That seven, three score seven, that 70 years wasn't to mean that that's as long as you can live because that we know that ain't true because people live to be 89 and 99. But after that 70 years, there's a seven, there's a 70 years between 70 and 120 where that's really your lifespan. And that's what God has called each and every one of us. That's why somebody put on Facebook. I haven't been on there in a few days, but somebody posted on Facebook, this lady, it was her, she was 109 and she was at a party just having a good time and looking good. And I was thinking to myself, wow, she's living her lifetime and somebody else's God said, no, she ain't. She says, he says she's living her lifespan. You know, have you ever said that? You heard people say that before. Dang, she living when people get over into eighties and nineties. They're not living up. They're not living somebody else's. Everybody has this lifespan. And don't be surprised if your parents will, if, if you minister to them and they pick up and follow Jesus as you're doing, they will, I'm telling you, people are living longer. The, the sinners out in the world know that. That's why they want to push stuff on us like Obamacare and other stuff where they can say, you get to go to surgery. You ain't, you too old. You don't go to surgery. Uh, you 67, you can have surgery. Uh, you 82, you can't have surgery. Cause they think this is the end of our road, but it's just, they don't know any better, but it's not. Our lifespan is 120 all day long. And you, and you don't have to be 120 and sick. Of course, this old house wears out, but just like that lady on Facebook that was looking good and getting around better than me. And she was 109. And, and so I was, and God straightened me out. He said, she is living her lifespan. And he told me, he said, you have the same and everybody that's born again have that same lifespan. And, and then, but then the world will turn around and put it in a word, in statistics. People are living longer. And see, that's why they came up with these rules in insurance so that they can say who, who can, who's worthy. It's like maybe, I don't know what they go by. No, they, this age thing is, is, is the number one thing. But maybe if you have too many illness, like somebody has heart trouble and diabetes and whatever, and they're 67, 
and then somebody over here doesn't have all those complications, just the one, they'll say, okay, you take the surgery. You don't want anybody making that choice for you. Amen. If your family, and I told my kids, I said, don't y'all dare try to uh, take me off of uh, anything. You know, I said, I'm living the longest. Get me some treatment, you know. And it, well, I'm not going to tell you what they said. I ain't going to tell you, okay? Just use your imagination. Okay. Praise God. But you got to love them. Amen. Praise God. But I'm telling you, you know, that's your lifespan. When you get in your 60s, it ain't curtains ain't down. See, that's the wrong. That's wrong. Because I I was looking at my life and I said, Dad, God, I got here quick. And he said, it's not the end. Then all of a sudden, I, I start running into, I mean, you know, I know it ain't the end, but, you know, close to the end. And then uh, he started letting me see, and then Pastor Barb brought that up. Uh, I'm, I'm, I remember that not long ago. See, you all weren't paying attention. And she talked about 120 years. Mm-hmm. And that's, and then I saw it as somewhere in Genesis makes that reference, and then you can go somewhere else. I didn't write it down. I don't have it here. But our lifespan is 120. And that's why when people get uh, elderly, pray that over your, your parents. Amen. 120 years. Amen. Because that, and pray it over yourself. Amen. Don't, and, uh, or until you're satisfied. Now, the Bible tells you till you're satisfied because some people don't want to live that long. You know, some people, they've outlived lived their heathen children, spouse left, and some people just are lonely. And, they, and they're born again. They want to go. You can go. Amen. But, um, you know, some people don't want to go. And so if you don't want to, you don't have to. The Bible says you are to live until you are satisfied. But you reach for 120. And so you're going to be looking at your father. Dad going to be around 120 years. Amen. In Jesus' name. Because that's, that's awarded to him. That's just so this, the Bible is you never quit learning. It's just so much to learn. Amen. But God is just awesome. And you don't need some insurance people telling you, well, you too old. You can't have that surgery. It's not right. You know, and you paid into it and you paying for it. And uh, thank God that we have our own choice of, you know, <laughs> our own choice of uh, carriers. Amen. Hallelujah. So let's see where, where am I at? Uh, did we finish talking about who Bartimaeus? I think so. So that God, his faith stopped Jesus. It froze him dead in his tracks. Amen. So let's see. Let's talk about uh, in John eleven four. It talks about the death and the life of Lazarus. If you write that down, I don't think I'm gonna have time to go in detail, but. Lazarus, I'm talking about Mary and Martha's brother who was dead for four days, Jesus. And this is the thing that, that blew my mind about this story. Jesus took his time on purpose. Because God is always looking for a way to show us. We have to pay attention. Show us what's really going on. And his, and the, they were uh, upset. Now, you know, Mary was the prayer and Martha was the worrier. And so, you know, but this thing got to both of them. And so, um, you know, they were upset. Jesus finally get there after taking his time. 
And he said when he got there, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. This is why he does these things. This is why he took his time. He wanted everybody to think it was too late. And, okay, so what are we supposed to learn from this? That we can raise the dead. Amen. Hallelujah. This this uh, one person, I think that was Kenneth Hagen, Sr., was telling uh, him about these four boys. They were from a dark country. It was five of them that came to this country, and they were students in his school in Ramah, Bible College. And uh, he, they were listening. This was uh, a while back. I, I think it was maybe in the, in the uh, 70s. It was in the 70s. And they were rallying around. They would, let's see now, I can't remember where they were sneaking off from. It was either from their job or from somewhere, from their own church. And they, because they were Presbyterians or, uh, what's that other one? Not Methodist. It was those, I can't think. It, one of them, one of those churches. But anyway, they would sneak away and go and listen to him in the car. Well, they would go and listen to him when he would preach at his tent meetings. So they knew who he was. They kept up with him for years. And this particular time, they were in the car, and he was ministering the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And they, and one of them said, he better not tell us to touch that thing, touch the radio. He said, if, if somebody is in a car, there's more than one person. Touch this radio, touch the radio. He said, Deanna told us to touch the car. And they all put them five hands. They all fell out in the spirit and was baptized in the Holy Ghost, praying in tongues. And, and they, they have ministries now. I can't remember, but I think a couple of them, uh, was ministering for Rama. You know, uh, I can't remember what they were doing. But anyway, they were, uh, uh, missionaries and have big, not big ministries, but they doing big things for God. And so God will transmit his power even through a radio, a car radio. But he said, he better not tell us to touch that radio. He said, <laughs> but anyway, they did and they received. Amen. I can't remember why I was telling that, uh, switching from Lazarus because of the, uh, Something about the anointing. Yeah, okay, power to raise the dead. That's how you do it. If you baptize in the Holy Ghost, you have the power to raise the dead. Some, oh yeah, this is what I know, I remember now. I knew that wasn't the end of the story. So one of them, uh, heard him say, now you need to go and take that power and raise the dead. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what it was. Wow. He went to a hospital. And went to, uh, to the top floor. I think he said it was eight floors. Started at the top, worked his way down, and he went in every uh, what do you call those uh, ward in every ward. And he laid hands, and he said, and anoint him with oil. That's what he said when they was listening to him on the radio. So he went and uh, he he anointed them, got a bottle of oil, olive oil. He anointed every single person on the floor with oil and he said now go on you healed go home and they were just getting their coats going home and so the nurse got at when he did the first floor the top, and then the second floor he went on which was the seventh floor and he went laying hands on all of them 
And so they were getting their coats, got pajamas on, getting their house shoes and getting coats, going home, calling their people. The doctor said, we, I could go home, I'm healed. Wow. They thought he was a doctor. But Dr. Jesus did say they were healed. So, but the people in the natural thought he was a doctor and they called the people in their family. The doctor said, I can go home. I'm healed. And they like, what? And a lot of the, he emptied out that hospital. So, okay. On that next floor, he went on. I think it was that second floor that he, he hit. It was a group of doctors. You know how they out there in the hallways discussing a patient and they were talking about this woman and he said it was a, a floor for people who had been in accidents. Like, what do you call that? Uh, no, no, not not the type of care, but when you hurt your bones. You know, like sports people. What is it? I can't think. But you know, yeah, you know, ortho. What is it, Diane? orthopedic doctor yeah for bones see they don't know what kind of doctor to go to well you don't need to know because you ain't going amen so anyway he was on that floor and so everybody there was either in traction or had a broken leg broken arm something and those people were coming out of those wraps you know coming out of that saying there's a doctor telling us we're healed and they got up and walked they were healed and so this, this, they were, they were, um, before that happened, they were discussing this one woman and he was sitting there listening to him. He just stayed out of their way because what he was doing, he knew how to dodge the doctors, wait until they left. And then he knew he was doing something that he didn't have no business. He was, uh, <laughs> Kenneth Hagan said he, I'm telling you, he was a, uh, I can't think of what he was calling like, you know, he was a criminal or whatever he was saying. <laughs> And he was just plain old crazy. He was crazy enough to go in there. But anyway, he said he didn't never tell them he was a doctor. They just assumed he was a doctor. And so this one woman did die after the doctors left out and they covered her up. And I guess they went to call whoever they call. So when they late, okay, thanks. So when they left, he creeped in there and snatched snatched the sheet back. He didn't know no better. Like Kenneth Hagin said, he he didn't know no better. And he he turned the sheet back and he anointed her with that olive oil. And he said, in the name of the Jesus, I speak life into you. Rise up. And she rose up. And when those doctors came back in, they was like, oh, you know. But guess what they did to him? That's when they called him. They put him in jail arrested him and kept him in jail four days and guess what they charged him with disturbing the peace (laughs) because he was disturbing the peace those that had died he was disturbing them (laughs) and so and so when the guys okay so he had another tent meeting and he recognized these guys and he says, hey, wasn't it another one? Is one? And they say, oh, yeah, he'll be here. He ain't going to make it tonight. And he said, well, where is he at? Oh, he in jail. It's okay. He's in jail. <laughs> and so he said, in jail? What What did he do? He said, oh, it's your fault because you told him to go and, and lay hands on every creature and, and raise the dead. 
And they, he said, well, why is he in jail? He said, for raising the dead. He raised the lady from the dead and they put him in jail. And so he said, well, I, it's my, he said, I better go and get him. So he's going to get some men to go from the church to go get him. They said, no, no, no. He's okay. Leave him in there. He probably doing something he don't have no business doing. So I think he was in there three full days. On the fourth day, he showed up to the tent meeting. Everybody started clapping. He came in and, uh, Kenneth, Hagen asked him, where, where you been? Oh, I was in jail. He said, but it was the most marvelous time. He said, I started preaching and laying hands and laying hands on the sick in there. He says, and all, and he said, and, and just, you know, declaring their, uh, freedom from the devil. He said, he got people, you know, released from all this stuff, drugs, alcohol, all this stuff. He was happy in there. And he said, he said, well, how'd you get home? He said, oh, they threw me out of there. <laughs> So he got arrested for disturbing the peace in the hospital, took him to jail. The jail threw him out. But you know what that showed me? How the world hates the anointing, healing, anything prophetic. Listen, you're not going to get an okay from from the world. So quit looking for it. Amen. From, from the religious sector. They don't get it. And that showed me. And I say they should have been happy. But mm, they threw him out of jail. Because he was praying and healing people in jail. But I'm telling you. It was such a, a, a wonderful story. I say I can't. You know when I tell stories. I get them wrong. Y'all know that. But this one I say. I, I got to get this one right. You know. But anyway. God. He wants us to lay hands on the sick. And see them recover. And not only that, raise people from the dead. This is why he took his time getting to Lazarus. And he knew that that story would be in Mark 10. And for us believers to read that and be crazy enough, like Kenneth Hagin said, I'm telling you, that boy was crazy. He was crazy enough to believe everything, and he went out and he did it. We, he, God wants people like that. I, I could just imagine his resume in heaven. Wow. All of this. Amen. You know what I'm saying? All of the wonderful works that he did. Because he just believed God so much. But what does the other 90% do? Get stuck in religion. You can't get healed on the Sabbath. It's Sunday. Now man have six days that they can come and get healed. Why are you here on a Sunday? It's the Sabbath. Go rest. You know, it's religion and, and arrogance and stiff necked and all that other stuff. But I'm, I'm like, uh, the woman, uh, who had a, a, a spirit of infirmity, the one that was bowled over for 18 years. And I, I'm, I'm like, Hey, I want mine now. I'm the daughter of Abraham and I ought to be healed, even though it's Sunday. Amen. I'm telling you, I want mine today. I don't care what day I get. I don't care what today is. But see, religion will get us all screwed up. Amen. I'm not finished, but I, I'm going to stop. Let's see. I'm going to see what uh want to give you the rest of the scripture. Uh, let's see. We're, we're in Mark. Hmm. John 11. Okay. So... I have Isaiah 40, verse 5, and it talks about the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. Amen. This is at the final 
our final witnessing of God's glory when he comes back. And until then, we're seeing it, we're seeing it through you and me, through each one of us. You know, and that's why if God tell you to go lay hands on somebody, do it. Amen. But be sure God tells you to do it and do it. Second Kings 5, 4, 4, 5, 14. Amen. And that's the story of, um, uh, what's his name? Naaman the Syrian. It's in Second Kings 5.14 where it, and I like that story because he had to humble himself because he needed something nobody else could give him. Even the king, he went to the king, the king said, uh, you better consult the man of God. I can't help you. <laughs> Amen. And so that's when he pointed to Elisha and they sent, um, his servant Gehazi. He sent Gehazi to tell him something for me because he sent, tell the man of God to come here. And he said, mm-mm. Well, tell him to come here. I, I need him. Mm-mm. He said, but I can tell you to tell him to go dip in, you know, go, go jump in the lake is really what he was telling him. Go dip in that Jordan seven times. He didn't want to do it, but he finally did. He did it because he knew there was nobody else that could help him with this one thing. And that's where we all, and it was a good place. I keep saying it was a good place, but look what happened to him. He got his healing. When you get backed up in a corner where you only got God, that's a good thing. Don't ever despise, you know, I guess you could call it small beginnings, but whatever it is, when God, this is so good, God is always there for you. So don't ever despise being in that position. Amen. Because we, in the natural, we look at it like, oh, Lord, God's got to do this. Is nothing anybody can do. But that's a good place to be. Look at everybody that we read about today. They were in that position and they got what they needed. Amen. Thank you. Father, we do thank you and we bless you. Amen. And we lift you up in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you and we praise you, Lord. We love you. We bless you. We exalt you. Father, we just thank you because of who you are. Thank you, Lord. And thank you that you love us so much that you dare to just heal us. You have healed us. It is already done. We are healed. Father, we thank you that it's already done, that you spoke it before the very foundations of the earth, that you know us better than you know anybody. You know us and you know what we need. And we thank and praise you, Father God. We thank you for your love. We thank you for everything that you've done for us. And we give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God.